Rush into Chemist Warehouse today and grab INC Protein. Powering tomorrow, today. This is the House of Ats with Cam Luke and John Stephenson. Well, thanks to Chemist Warehouse. You head to Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And this is the House of Ats right across the SEN network. If you're listening, drop us a text. 0499 736 736. If you're podcasting, YouTubing it, hello to you as we work our way through it. Now, Steph, <laughs> I, as soon as I heard that the head honcho of Athletics Australia was coming on, it made me automatically very nervous as I assumed we'd done something <laughs> wrong and we were going to get in trouble. That's something that used to happen in your career a little bit, right? Well, I went very as far as to travel all the way from Phuket, Cam, all the way into studio <laughs> to make sure that I interview yes. this man correctly today. Um, but no, Peter, you're referring to the Honourable Peter Bromley, who yes. is now uh, the Athletics Australia here, a long-time board member, mm-hmm. athlete himself back in the day, Cam. Absolutely. As a son that competed for um, in Australia. with Australian champion in 800 metres, his son. So, um, looking forward to... Uh, I want to hit him with some hard questions oh. today, Cam. What do you think? Do you reckon I, Steph can still... I, I, Get in there, the old 2012 Steph. I, I, rec- I reckon you can. I also think he's going to be able to bat him away fairly easy, but we'll introduce him officially. Peter Bromley, the CEO of Athletics Australia, joins us on the House of Ats. Hello to you, Pete. How are you going? Good, thanks, guys, and, th- and thanks for the opportunity to be here tonight. Anytime, mate. We love talking athletics. We love talking to anyone at the highest level when it comes to this time because it just feels we open the show talking about so many different things it just feels athletics australia continues continues to rise every single time there's a new meet yeah look i think we're really in a golden era we've got some really good good athletes and it's it's across the field it's across the track and it's across the road so wherever you look it's not in just one area it's across a lot of disciplines and a lot of events both in the men and women. so And uh, and we've got a lot of good juniors coming through as well. So it's kind of like, as I said, it's a golden era and we're starting to see some really serious results, particularly on the world stage. Oh, I, I know this seems like a really redundant, simple question, Pete, but is your job as an administrator, you've been around for a long time, but is your job that little bit easier when the athletes are doing what they're currently doing? I don't think so. I think it's about how you make sure that you bring, keep the sport going in that right direction. So... I always say, and Steph's heard me say this before, it's, it, sport is about people. It's about how you put the people together, how you work with your stakeholders, how you work with the great support we're getting from Chemist Warehouse, uh, how you work with the coaches, particularly and the athletes, and how you make sure that that all comes together. So I think the pressure just remains, and it's it's, but it's a, just a great pressure to have when things are moving in the right direction and, and athletes are competing and doing really well. I think, you know, Peter, it'll be interesting to get your take on this. I think we are in a golden era, not only locally and domestically, but I think globally. I don't think I've seen the sport since my, you know, involvement since um, 2003 where we've had so many results that we're seeing on the Diamond League, so many good results like we've seen by Australians. I mean, we'll go through results later on in the show, but we had three Australians win the Diamond League on the weekend, which I think is unheard of, you know, and um, surely that's a testament to the work that's been done over the last 10 years, not only from an administration level, but all the way up to the board level. Yeah, I think, look, none of these things come come some simple, some simply, but I think all that also it is is about the coaching framework we put in place. Athletes, as John knows, you know, last five or six or seven, ten years. Coaches last a, last a long last a lifetime, and I think that's the one of the things that we've focused on is how you bring coaches through and they they repeat through. For example, an old mate of mine, Frank Avenham, he's got a Alana pitcher in a thirty k in the thirty five k walk now. Frank's been around since I've been around, you know, and uh, so great to have him there coaching walkers uh, on the central coast of New South Wales and Alana's on the team for um, the World Championships. 
in Budapest this year. So it is about the depth of coaching across all the disciplines I said before, both track, field and road. Well, let's talk about that, Peter. So, I mean, I think historically we've always had, you know, we've had, you know, the great the, the, the great coaches throughout our sport that have that have sort of been the store, sort of been there and getting athletes through. What does it look like for our, for these younger coaches that, that want to partake in the sport, the younger volunteers? Sort of what's sort of the plan that Athletes Australia is doing in the background to sort of make sure that, that this sport continues to grow and not only grow from – because, I mean, let's face it, these older coaches are, um, are in September of their careers and we need the younger crop coming through. So what's sort of the plan, Peter, moving um, forward with the sport? Yeah, it's a good question, John. We've been working with the Australian Sports Commission. We've got a number of initiatives out now, particularly with young uh, women that have just progressed from from being athletics athletes into into coaching. So, you know, the gender balance is important, and particularly that it's been skewed the other way with males. But again, we're working through a couple of programs now that actually give athletes transitioning both in men and women from being an athlete into a coach, and that's really important, and giving them the right tools, the right disciplines, and also then the right financial support to actually continue to do that, because it's pretty hard. And and obviously with women particularly, you know, often they're the ones that, that run the house, deliver the kids, do all the sorts of things, and then try and, it's very hard for them to stay in the sport. So we recognise that's a really good opportunity uh, to bring that sort of uh, discipline and support back to athletics. And I think that's starting to show as well. And we've had some of the, the, the better known coaches we've had in, in the women's side come in and mentor younger coaches. And that's really important. It is something that with this situation, we're continually going forward, but is this something you were surprised about when you, you've been around athletics in this country for a long period of time, but was it something that surprised you about how people want to get into coaching, but almost find it unrealistic at times, but did you already have it in the back of your head that you've got to find a way to be able to make it easier? Yeah, it's, it's a hard one. I think uh, we always knew that. And because again, We've got a lot of coaches, and John would relate to this, is there's a lot of coaches that just don't charge, don't charge anything at all. They do it in their spare time. They do it after hours. They, they do it. They might have started when, they, when, they, when their kids were, were, were younger and they continue on. But, again, if you look in the, in the professional codes, as you guys would know, you know they're fully paid coaches. And mm. so we've got to start building on that, and that's part of this as well. And, again, giving, as I said before, uh, the gender balance, giving women the opportunity to do this stuff because they've, they've obviously been disadvantaged in the past in terms of just their other responsibilities. So I was not surprised. It's great that the Australian Sports Commission has got behind us with this, and I think that's that's starting to pay off. And using uh, some of our existing coaches as mentors has been very much beneficial because that's they're the best people to learn from. Peter, just before we get into what's happening right now and a little of these real close sort of conversations around, you know, Budapest and, and, and Paris next year and, and the Australian domestic season that was really great, the one we've just had and a bigger one coming in only a couple of months. I, I want to know how, how long forward do these planning conversations go? Because we have a Commonwealth Games in this country and then we have the Olympic Games in Brisbane in 2032. Are you already looking towards, are there already conversations around now, Cobb Games, clearly, but 2032, or when, if it doesn't, when do they start? Because it's a pretty big thing in less than a decade's time. No, certainly there are. There's conversations happening, obviously, with, with 2026. Um, and, and again, with 2032, we're, we've, and not only us, but all the other Olympic sports and Commonwealth Games sports have been uh, talking to the federal government and the state government where it's, it's, where it's relevant around what the plans are, but also what the legacy is after the Games, both in... Com Games 2026 and in Brisbane 2030, 2032. So it's about the legacy as much because there's a lot of investment. And so what you want to do is make sure that, that, that the sport, the sports that are part of it mm. actually have something to take forward. For the younger generation, they'll be inspired by those events. 
And that's what I think, Johnny Steph, is what's happening now, right? Not just our show, which is a, a byproduct of that, but on the back of 2021 in Tokyo and the fact that in parts of the country and a lot in the world, there were people who were locked down and they almost had no nothing to do but to watch the Olympic Games. And I think the track and field performers and the, the great Australian athletes have been able to, on the back and great support and great initiatives from Athletics Australia, parlay that into a Com Games last year in a World Championships, another World Championship this year, and then the Olympics Next year, it is a perfect time for track and field to finally get a lot more exposure and be a little more like the mainstream sports that we've seen get that over a number of years. Yeah, I agree. And I think we've also had some uh, just great opportunities. You know, we had the World Cross Country here in Bathurst this yeah. year in February. And um, I think what that did is, you know, put us on the map. And again, a lot, and the fact that we won a bronze medal in the real, in the relay, which is fantastic. And that's where we leveraged the Mori Plant meet the following week off uh, after that. So we had we had twelve countries uh, competing in in Mori Plant here in Melbourne. So again, having the opportunity to bring internationals to Australia, and I think what the good thing was Fred Curley was here, put on a great show. He you know pitched up against Rowan, and the good thing is he's running well. Fred's mm. Fred's running well overseas now, and I think that's that's I was holding my breath to make sure that I, I hope that he came here, enjoyed it got fit, and then went back and started the run well. So it's been a really good good step. You talk about the Maury Plant meet, uh, Peter, and, and and the success of how it was in Melbourne. Obviously, I mean, we, we, we can't deny that the meets you know, over the last couple of years haven't been to the standard that we were used to seeing, um, you know, post-2000 Olympic Games. Um, sort of walk us through, what, do you, what is the plan? What does 2024 look like before Olympics next year? And, and what, what, what can some of the younger athletes and, and the coaches that are looking forward to the Australian season, what can they look forward to? Mate? Yeah, no, so look, we're just working through with our member associations. Our plans is to have four track meets across across the country uh, in, um, in, in early 2024. That's right. Time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> um, culminating in our national championships in, in Adelaide in, in early April. And so you'll see a series of number number of series of meets there, uh, sprinkled in between that. You've got also got the um, world indoors. You've got the world relays, and that's a really going to be a really important part for us is to have a, have the relay teams qualify at the world relays because that gets you a start at the Olympic Games. There's only top sixteen that go, so um, it's important. So there's a fairly fairly packed program. The member associations obviously are working closely with us, so a number of events at a, at a state local level is being sort of filtered into that. So we're trying to build a pathway of competition that gives people the opportunity to really excel at the at the level and then build on that, get into those. Those track meets are really important because they give not only the elites, but they give people that are aspiring a chance in many cases to compete about some of the other athletes. And so that's important. We know that two-thirds of our athletes qualified domestically uh, for, for, the, for, the, uh, for, for Eugene last year. So... Having local competitions are uh, important. Having the, the, at a standard that we had this year is important because that gives them the ranking points against uh, others that might be selected for the World Championships later in the year. So it's really critical to have all those things come together. So it's the answer to your question, Jan, John, it's really about how we pull those things together and make them even better than last year. You mentioned Fred Curley. Those conversations are probably already fairly underway when it comes to a, a similar calibre, if not the same athlete, for the Australian domestic season next year. How confident are you? Olympic year sometimes can be a little tricky when it comes to logistics for these athletes and what they are thinking. How how do those conversations go? Are they going and how are they going? If you don't want to give us specific athletes, that's fine, but I assume they're underway. Yeah, we've got some, some, some initial inquiries. So I think what we'll do is 
when we get to Budapest as well. And I think some of those athletes and their managers are really looking at let's do one step at a time. They're they're, they're like anybody. They're, mm. they're playing their cards pretty close to their chest. I think once they get through Budapest, I think then it'll be an opportunity to do this. Um, the It'll only be 11 months to Paris. So there'll be a fairly clear message. But again, I think our success at World Cross Country, the, the messages we got through with our gold meet at Murray Plant, what's, what Aussie, what's happening in Australia over the next 10, 10 years Gives us a real focus to go back to the to the international athletes and say, come and come and come and work work with us. Come and compete here. Come and even train here. There's, there's plenty of opportunities. Now, Pete, what happens on this show is occasionally I throw. In fact, almost every single week I throw a little left to center <laughs> idea out towards Johnny Steph. Every and single week, pretty Cam. much he says, "Ah, oh, you know, that's a great idea, Cam," and uh, we go from there. But <laughs> you did jog my memory, and I haven't gone too deep yet with Johnny Steph. But I do. Do you think an indoor meet? in Australia would work. We don't see indoor athletics in Australia. There's a great deal of excitement around them. There's a great deal of, it's obviously huge overseas and internationally, but do you think in the not too distant future, we could have an indoor meet here in Australia somewhere? Well, I think first of all, we've got to get the track, but interestingly enough, world athletics has just changed the requirements from an indoor track to a short course track. So what they're doing is they're actually saying that that indoor track can be produced, dare I say it, out, outdoors. So it's a 200 meter track. And so what's happening in Europe now is that um, it's it's a premium for, for real estate. So mm-hmm. rather than put in a huge, huge track, so the, uh, the World Athletics will probably change some of their competitions to reflect short course athletics rather than indoors. Now, I think the opportunity for that is more more likely. Ironically, I've had a couple of conversations with um, some some private schools that are interested in putting in an athletics track. And what, what they said is, when we talked about a, a short course track, is exactly what they could do and fit it in within the in the school ground. So I think those things are likely to come probably before an indoor track. Do you think we might see a short course world championship at some point? Mm-hmm. We, we see it in swimming uh, with the short pool. Do you think at some point down the track, if this is going to be the, the norm going forward, and of course real estate is obviously a huge part of it, you've got to have the logistic nice spot to put it. Do you think we could see that in athletics, a short course world championship? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that's what it'll eventually be because yep. they'll, they'll move from just the indoor to short course and that's the way it'll do. And, uh, of course, um, and I think that's 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 their idea. So, look, I'm not sh- – I think it won't be that far away. There you go, Steph. See, I didn't have to go – I didn't have to try and convince you it was a good idea already. The, the athletics world's ahead of it, man. The powers that be have made the decision, Cam. <laughs> now, were you two on the board together at Athletics Australia? We sure yes, were. Yes, we were. All right, Pete, what, yeah. was it, what was it like? Because I do like the fact that Johnny Steph, who was quite vocal as an athlete, then put his hand up and was a part of the board and, and trying to help change. It's, it's a big thing that not enough athletes do when they're verbaling something to then put their hand up. What was he like being a part of the Athletics Australian board? He used to bring, he used to order his own Uber, Uber <laughs> Eats. So I know that was one thing he used to do. So He's good on a tooth. No, I think he, he was, he always brought the, the thing that John brought and we always wanted from a, from a, was he brought the athlete's perspective. Yep. And I think that's the point we always should try and do is it's the athlete that we're here, here to serve and uh, sub, supported by their, their, their family and their coaches and others. So I think, yeah, it's always about bring, bring the focus to the athlete. And a bucket full of cash, Pete. Say that too, brother. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, you've, got, you've, got a, you've already got enough, John. <laughs> yeah, so that's fine. that's he, he does know you very well. Well, I'll tell you a funny thing, Cam. There actually, we go. What I got when I when I this is a good story, in fact. Actually, and Pete will probably think, oh, Steph, please. When I got banned my last year, because I got banned a few times throughout mm. my athletic career, Pete was actually on the board 
that banned me. And I remember when I got banned, I was doing Celebrity Apprentice, and I was actually halfway through the show, and, and I remember Pete asked a very specific question um, to me because I had to have a bit of a, a meeting with the board, and he said to me, John, do you, do you want to run? And I said, yes, of course I want to run. And uh, I remember Pete was always an advocate for myself, and, and he always had time to understand where I was coming from, which made it really cool once I joined the board, um, not only having the chairman, Mark Arbib, who was very supportive of myself in the sport, but also having people like, like Peter that was um, on the board as well to be able to, to bounce ideas from and, and sort of show me the way he's been involved in the sport for such a long time, all the way from being an athlete all the way up to a board member. Um, and I think like, like Pete is, is saying, it's important when you have athletes that, that, that have a history of, of, of standing up for themselves and, and trying to make a change to the sport, whether it's understood at the time or not. It's important to hear all voices, and I think we're doing that very, very well now as, as part of the sport compared to where we used to be, Cam. So, like, compared when I was competing, I think that's just the evolution of only not only sport but also society in general, and I think that's important for growth, Cam. So um, it, I, I can speak on, on behalf of, I think, you know, Peter made the transition as CEO, and it, it's one of the most difficult seats you can ever take Cam in our sport and, and I actually wanted to ask Peter this question on some of the trials and tribulations he's had um, taking over that, that role in that position and especially taking it on right right before COVID as well which is probably one of the most mm. difficult things any administrator had to go through that period of time but Peter I'll, I'll pass it back to you yet yeah, walk us through sort of um, the perspective your perspective and I want you to be honest here we've had a lot of conversations um, you know privately about you know the amount of work you do the amount of sleepless nights I mean sometimes you and I are talking at 10pm at night about how we can make the sport better and I think it's important that the, the stakeholders which are there the fans and the athletes and the coaches here sort of the, the things that you go through as a CEO and your team at Athletes Australia through the administration and the board. Yeah, it's not just, you're right, though, but it's not just me. It's about the support. I mean, our team team at Athletics Australia, both the board and, and management and all, everybody really put their, they're, they're passionate about it. I think that's the thing. And I think I've said to you before, John, it's about people and it's about the stakeholders and how you work with. And so the thing I found coming into it, it was very simple. It's about how you work with people at all levels at all levels of the stakeholder engagement plan. And and I think that's the only thing that, that, that makes things go around. I mean, I always talk about the analogy around airlines. Um, airlines buy two things, a Boeing or an Airbus, but they put people in them to make them work. And uh, the airlines are very different and it's, it just comes down to the people. And so I think what I say here is it's the people in the sport that make the difference. And ironically, you've got to listen. You've got to actually take the ideas and actually work, it, work them through but again, at the forefront, how do I help, how do I make a better better result for athletes? And I always say that one thing, and I haven't had the ch chance to do this, but John has: if you can't represent your country, represent those that do. And I think that's that's my motto in terms of how we do this for our sport. And it's a great privilege to actually have sit in this job and actually see some of the changes that are happening. And uh, hopefully, we'll see some of the big changes flow through into Melbourne 2026 and, and Brisbane 32. But it's a, it's a real team effort across everybody and again i even go back to i look how we work now with the australian sports commission how we work with the aoc the paralympic committee and also um commonwealth games association there is a i think since COVID, there's a real sense of collaboration mm. and I, I don't just say that i really mean that that people are prepared to listen they're prepared to work and, and solve the problems of what we might have not dared talk about before but I think it starts with the leadership as well, Peter. And I, and, I, and I think you're very modest with what you say. And I think that's, Cam, that's what's been lacking in our sport for, this is not for a, a long time. This is not a show for modesty either, by the way. You no, know, it's not. Not with you and I, Cam. We don't, you know, so, I, I, no, but, I, I had a feeling about that already. Fire up, Peter. 
fire up. But no, no, and I, and I think I think that that's something you've done very, very well, Pete, is being able to listen. I think that's what our sport needs, Cam. I think it needs um, people that have power, the powers that be, to be able to listen to the prime, the chief stakeholders, which are the athletes, the coaches, and the fans. And I think that's and that's why I've been asking the questions about what is what is our comps going to do next year? What are these things? How we change the younger coach, younger athlete? And I think, you know, with Peter at the helm, he, uh, I'm hoping he stays on uh, as long as he possibly can, Cam. Um, but I think I think this is what has been the biggest change in our sport, and like like cancer, I think, like Peter said, I think there's a, a huge team can behind um, behind Peter, which which I think now that that trend is, and we're seeing the results, Cam. Absolutely, we are now, Pete. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm not even certain you're able to answer it, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Do you have a current favourite Australian athlete? Donny Stephenson. Done. Next, next camp. Fire up. Come on. What is wrong with you? Current. I, I, I mean, I mean, I, it probably changes every week. To be yeah. honest, Cam. I, I mean, I just, I, have to, I just, I mean, I had be the careful, Peter. To... Be very careful here. Come no, on, no, Peter. no. I, I have to say, there are so many, so many. As I said, there's the field. Everybody in the field. The, these young women this week have just done fabulously. Yeah. And again, on the track, on the road, uh, both in the marathon and the walks. I mean, you, you can look anywhere. I, I think. I've just got it. Athletics is my favourite favorite sport, I have to say. And I think that's what I'd say. And it's just, as I said, it's just fantastic to see so many people doing so well. Um, and the, I think I think the other thing is that it's not just what we've done, but I think it's the, the mentality now. People go, I can actually win. When I step on the world stage, I'm not actually hoping to get through the heat. I'm hoping to, I'm going to happen to win a medal mm. or I'm yeah. definitely going to make the final. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that I, I feel so good about, and how I feel is that's what that's probably what I feel. I'll make it easier for you, Pete. This is an easier question, right? Not not so much favorite athlete, but I say favorite four hundred meter runner <laughs> <laughs> from South African parents. Ah. Walk on all games in two thousand six. Yeah, you had to. You had to be specific. <laughs> no, 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 I'll get a bit serious now. No, no, Pete, give us my... your fate. Pete was going to go fate. Steve Solomon. <laughs> <laughs> he was going to Darren Clark straight away. No, 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 uh, no, 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 Pete. Honestly, uh, favorite event. If you had to go to a track meet, what's your favorite event? Oh, I still can't go past the fifteen hundred meters. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so you'd love you'd love got... watching Faith keep Yeager and break oh. the world record. Oh yeah. Well, she, I think I think I've, I've I, don't, I haven't run as fast as her now. I think she's run faster than me. So there you go. <laughs> It is. It is. I'll tell you one thing. Actually, I'll, I'll raise this. We spoke about this, of course, a great deal last week. And and Johnny Steph, he didn't. He wasn't one hundred percent against it, but he raised the eyebrows with the girls all having a photo together and the, the excitement of being in the race where Faith ran so fast. You mentioned the uh, sort of the the way that everyone's working together and the unity after after COVID. Do you see a similar thing with athletes? Because it is something that is probably generational that we did see last week, but everyone took so much. Everyone who was in that race took so much delight in being part of such a special moment. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's, I think that's obvious. Uh, and it's probably a byproduct of COVID. I mean, we've, we've reestablished the athletes commission now. So we have a commission that's, that's, that's made up of, of, of our athletes that really talk for athletes. And I think, They've what I've been impressed about with them is they've they've taken that on with so so much rigor and 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 sort of passion, and it's it's quite surprising. And they they're really really striving to make a difference to what they can do for the athlete and how they can help us and advise us what what's important and what we need to change and what we need to improve upon. So yeah, I think it comes across the whole lot. But it's again that that collaborative approach that we've all talked about, which is a bit of a throwaway line, I know, but it certainly seems to be the way. And it's certainly the way in this organisation and this sport 
to work better together. And, and it goes right across the whole of our sport. It's only a throwaway line, Pete, if it's not true. And judging from the outside looking in and everything that athletics in Australia and the world and the Australian athletes on the world stage right now is proving that it is very much true. And uh, you're the leader, but you've got a big team doing a great job, as you've touched on. And we can't wait to see what uh, it looks like going forward. Not just at a major championship this year and, of course, the Olympics next year, but that Australian domestic summer season, the excitement attached to going back to an Olympic Games or being a first-time Olympian uh, in the track and field team. So we can't wait for it, man, and we appreciate your time as always. No, it's been a pleasure, and I hope to, hope we can come back and talk about some of those great successes we're pl- predicting in, in Budapest in a few months' time. For Chemist Warehouse, we'll take a very quick break. Plenty more on the House of Aths next. Rush into Chemist Warehouse today and grab INC Protein, powering tomorrow today. This is the House of Aths with Cam Luke and John Stephenson. It most certainly is. We're in the starting blocks, all thanks to Chemist Warehouse. I Great like that one, Cam. You like it? That was cute. You yeah. like it? We are jam-packed. The CEO, the head honcho of Athletics Australia, Peter Bromley, is going to join us in around 15 minutes' time. I've given you homework. I yes, hope you've you forgotten. Did. Have you or you remember? Yeah, come on, man. Okay. Don't this fine life forgetting oh, stuff. Come I apologise. That's around half hour away as well. We <laughs> get Johnny Steph's top three 400-metre athletes of all time, and of course, the text machine all is times. open. All time. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. And we had a hell of a weekend. Not just a hell of a weekend. When it comes to the Diamond League, I'm talking a hell of a weekend for Australian athletes. And as per, the women are leading the way, Johnny Steph. What they a weekend. Dominating camp. I didn't even know. Listen, I didn't even know where to start. No, with neither this. do I. I I don't know. I just feel like we're going to do it injustice because there were so many yes. fantastic results yep. around the globe mm-hmm. that we, I think we just got to freestyle it today, Cam. I Let's think we freestyle just, if we remember, it. If we freestyle, remember yep. results, we just got to throw it out there, let, let the let the audience yeah. hear, so, you so, know, and then so, hopefully they can text in if we've gotten anything. Yeah, so 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 different to our normal structured routine of which we do this show. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's freestyle it. Freestyle it. Give me a name to start with and we'll go there. Just give me Faith any name. We've got to start again. off with Faith. We have to start off I, with her. I mean, oh. breaking the 1,500-meter, I mean, the 5,000 yep. uh, world record um, in Paris. Uh, it's just it's phenomenal, Cam. Um, you know, we to see her, to see her break two world records in two in two weeks. It, it it's a time in our sport that that you don't often get to see when you can see world, especially in a one day meet. Normally, yeah. you sort of see it at, at, at world champs or Olympic games, but um, just an absolutely uh, sensational run by her. I think she's gonna have an absolute field day come come Budapest and. Um, yeah, I, I, it just it was it's just it was just phenomenal to see and to watch and and then we also saw Alman Germa break the the steeplechase world record. So I mean, this is you you touch on this you touch on the rarity of world records being broken in one day meets, but the actual uniqueness of it all happening and, and of course Inga Britson in that time as well and an unofficial in the two miles that that is as rare as it goes when it comes to the best times ever over these distances. It's a, it, yeah, I, I, how do I put this? Like, how can I explain to people? It's almost like the Ian Thorpe era, you know, when when he was swimming back in the day for Australians that that sort of don't understand international running. I mean, it was a time every time Ian jumped in the pool, you you just you saw these performances that were mind blowing. And and when you watch Faith and you watch Germa run and you see them break these world records and the distances they break. And I mean, also shout out again. See, we're freestyling Achilles Hodgkinson, yep. one fifty five and eight hundred meters. Yes. Absolutely blew him away. Um, 
you see performance like that, you just start scratching it. Like you mentioned, Jakob Ingebrigtsen in the two-mile, absolutely destroyed. You see Paulina around fantastic against Sydney McLaughlin in the 400. You called um, that. Do not, you do called not, that. Do not sleep on Sydney, though. I had a very good chat to a coach um, uh, yesterday, and um, it was all part of the master plan. It was all part of the master plan. I mean, we, this is an exclusive for SEN Radio and exclusive mm-hmm. for Australia. So um, he knows exactly. He wanted he wanted Sydney to – she was on world record pace. Sydney yeah. was on world record pace in the first 200 at 400. So, you know, th- this world championships, I think we're going to see some phenomenal performances, Cam. And, and, um, and again, for, for, for the average sports punter that's watching track and field, you're seeing performances that are mind-boggling now. It's just – and, look, don't get me started on NC two ways this weekend. I mean, the results there, which oh. I'm sure we'll discuss further, was well, just, again, just <laughs> video game times, now, Cam. Now, video game times. Now, firstly, Kip Yagen breaking the world record, a 61-second last lap, to defeat the reigning world record holder as well. That women's 5,000 was, was amazing. Poor was... Kitty, I feel, I feel so sorry for her, man. She she, she was famous at World Cross Country oh. this year, fainted about 50 yep. metres before the line. Um, somehow always, she's won. She's won some big races mm-hmm. in, in her time, but she seems like the bridesmaid at the moment, at, and, I, and I do feel for her a little bit. But at, sorry, Cam, for interrupting well, you so you could continue on. I this. was just going to say, at the moment she feels like the bridesmaid, but we've got to get to Budapest. Like, she's she got an – like, this is not – the 1,500 metres, I don't think anyone can get near. Yeah. Kip Jager. I, I was like, this thing is done, right? And I, I expect her to be a red-hot favourite when we get to Budapest. But still, she's got to be able to do it. I, I feel the 5,000 is a lot closer, and there yeah. is a competitor who can actually take her on. I still would go with the world record holder, but I feel the 5,000 metres is a lot closer than what the 1,500 is. And you know, and I'll give I'll give you some context to it too, Cam. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we're talking the five k compared to the fifteen hundred, I think team tactics play a huge part in the five k. So you'll you'll see. You, I'd like to think you'd see three Ethiopians, you'll see the Ugandans, and you'll see the Kenyans take on each other. And there'll be a lot of tactics on on how to win that race. And I think there's more chance for things to um, maybe go wrong. Um, but then at the same time, the pure distance runners will be saying, John, shut up. You don't understand because the 1500, again, you get your tactics on the 1500. That is actually a lot easier to lose than what the 5K can mm. because the race sort of plays out. And you can sort of, if you're a good runner and you've got good fitness and you are to the caliber of faith, then you can sort of dictate the race in the 5K as we saw the great Mo Farah used to do and the great uh, Gabri Selesi and Bakili used to do and, and, and Hisham al Guru. So so I, I maybe challenge you there a little bit, Cam, sort of sort of digressing here a bit, but I think I think the fifteen hundred is gonna be probably face probably harder race to win. I think the five K I think the Kenyans will set it up to make sure she's very well protected. Um, but again, this is the beauty of world championships. Every one day race goes out the window. Mm-hmm. It's all about, we talked about this in, the, in our last couple of episodes, it's all about learning to win and racing camp. Times do not, well, they help you, but they do not, they're not the, the be all and end all come a championships camp. Let's have a uh, KFC two piece feed on this. She will win. She will win the 1500 meters in Budapest, greater distance than she wins the 5,000. Done. Deal. Deal. Done. Let's get to the Aussies because we, we see this time and time again. The Australian women, they stand up and deliver. I don't really know where to start, so I'll start with Nina Kennedy because she has continually done this. She had a great start to a European season, and she goes bang. And the fact that we are only 70 days out from Budapest, we're two months out to be able to do this and have the confidence and the momentum and being in form must make you feel so damn great. Johnny Steph. I'm excited for what's happening. We're still two months out. 
Yeah, I think momentum's the key word there, mm-hmm. Cam. And 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 you've seen Nina. She captured bronze at World Championships yep. last year, and she's using that momentum. She had a, like a, a nice Australian season. She went nice. She's she just seems to be really using that confidence for herself now, and I think she really believes as, uh, that she belongs on the world stage. We're seeing our Australian athletes now not just only taking part but trying to take over Cam, and and I think the women like you like you mentioned are definitely doing that. Kelsey Lee Barber was back at her best, and the name that I love to see always at top is I think she's absolutely beautiful human being is Nicola Olasarges. She she. She's back to her best, and you know we we saw her we saw her, uh, um, 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 Patterson. What a what Eleanor. First name. Um, so yeah, Eleanor Patterson. Mm-hmm. We saw her win world championships last year. And we saw Nicola obviously, um, you know, not competing to her very best. So to see her back at her best, Cam, is sensational, man. Uh, the thing with Nicola is. Two metres is something that is very rare currently in women's high jump. You don't see it a great deal. Now, she was able to get it on her third attempt. And she had a crack at, uh, at 2.03 as well, and she wasn't too far off it. So it's a nice little pipe opener for her. She's in a situation where she had opportunities. Of course, Olympic bronze medalist back in Tokyo a couple of years ago. So I, I, I'm, I'm excited. These three women, these three women are going to be there when the whips are cracking in their event in the World Championship. And that is something that we have great confidence in, knowing we're going to a major championship and we have three, four, five medal live hopes. Not, hey, let's cross our fingers and hope they perform to their best and give them a chance to make a final or be in the final six. This continually is happening week in, week out at big tournaments and and big meets. And this is great to see. Well, that, that's what needs to happen, Cam. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you need to be able to go over to Europe, mix it with the best. Like I said, confidence breeds confidence. And, you know, and, and results breed confidence as well, right? So um, I think I think your sentiment's 100% correct. Um, what's going to be hard now is controlling your taper, Cam, right? So you don't want to peak too early. You want to make sure you'll be able to manage, um, you know, your success leading up. And I think our athletes, the, these athletes that are performing have done that year in year. We talk about Nicola. We talk about Nina. We talk about Kelsey. Um, they, they know how to get ready for a major mm-hmm. championships, and it's going to be an exciting time in Budapest. And, and I think we're going to see some other shock results too. Now, I do have to correct myself, and this is what happens when someone continually, continually just bobs up at major tournaments. Silver at Tokyo. It was the bronze at the yeah, Gold, was, the yeah, gold gonna, Coast Gold Games. You, you should have corrected me. Yeah. <laughs> you should have corrected me. I started to doubt myself, and I wanted to check it, and yes. So I apologize. Bronze at the – but this is, this is what happens. When there's major tournaments and she's on diocesan and podium, it continues to confuse me because medals are just coming not easy because I know how much hard work goes in but it's becoming the norm rather than the exception. Yeah, but normally when you get to these, cha- like you get to the results in, not in the Australian season, but European season, there's always this one standout, yep. you know, performance camp. And it's easy for us to do a show like this, mm. and we focus on one performance and we say, wow, and we give it five minutes and we talk all about it. The problem we're having is we've got yeah. Australians dominating. Dominating. We've got Europeans dominating. Dominating. We've got Americans, Dom. I mean, running video game times. Cam. Yeah. Like I said, we're going to get to the NC two ways. I want to give that a bit of energy. I have to give that energy. No, Cam, because I, I, I the want stuff you I to. saw there was absolutely like it, it was actually more yeah. mind boggling in the Paris Diamond League because these are young, I mean, young adults, very young adults mm-hmm. running video game times. I keep saying that. They, I mean, I can't fathom. I mean, you, there was there's a there was a young girl by the name of Julian Alfred. She's a dead set superstar. She'll be a million dollar athlete. But now she's out of college. Mm-hmm. Now that she turns pro, um, uh, break eleven seconds for the hundred and runs twenty one seconds for the two hundred. I mean, it, it's just. It's it's crazy. We had a girl by the name of uh, Akira Nugent. She's a Jamaican athlete, run the 100-meter hurdles. 
She runs 12-2 for the 100 metres. For those, get on Google, type in world record is held by a Nigerian athlete who broke the world record last year and ran 12-1, another video game time. The time Akira ran at NC2As would be the world record today. This is a young adult in college running video game times. The men's 4 by 400 to give you some perspective, we won our silver medal in three minutes. The winner of the men's 400, the team, they ran two minutes 57. I mean, th- I mean, this th- these numbers are just, they, are just absolutely crazy. I mean, these kids were splitting 43 and 44 seconds. But they, the these final. are medals at major championships. These oh, are medals at major championships. And with, I, I think we've got to go straight to the Aussie as well. Kai, I mean. Like, it, it's, <laughs> look. Not only now the heat in in Austin was nuts, right? So you got to handle the heat and the conditions, and that's never easy when you're at five thousand, ten thousand. You're doing what he did. What I like about Kai Robinson, he just ran both of these events like he should win them. He had confidence. He had a bit of aura about him. He didn't go out. He just like you know what I know what I need to do. His last lap in the five thousand was amazing. His ability to control the race, honestly. Is outstanding. I felt as I watched every step of both those two races in the finals, I thought this guy's going to go double up here, and he did exactly that, and he blitzed them. And again, this is a young man. You got to stand up. I know it's not a world championship. He's competed for Australia before. I know it's not Olympic games, but you're still relative to who you're running against. Need to handle the moment in the competition, and he did it as well as you possibly could. And you've spoken about the collegiate way of which they prepare athletes. And I think it was on full show with our man, Robbo. I was just going to get to that, Cam. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, uh, Jessica Hull uh, put it so eloquently when she talked about her, t- her time at Oregon Ducks. Um, and we've seen how great she's done. Um, and, and when we discussed this, Cam, we talked about um, the, the grooming for what they do at NC2As for them to become professional athletes. And I think that's such a great pathway for, for young adults, if they want to become a professional athlete, want to get a degree and also want to be able to socialize and socially be around like-minded people. And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm, it's really, really seeing that this NC2A program really helps that. And you see more and more Australians go over to, to, um, to America and, and take on, take on, you know, the Americans and what that gives you can look, you cannot deny that America nope. does lead the way when it comes to track and field. Agreed. Right? It's been historically, it's, it's done. So if you're now competing against like, you know, it's like saying you, basketball, Cam, that's right up your alley. If you can play basketball in America and hang with them, you're pretty much set, right? You're pretty much set for yeah. a pro career. If you're doing well in college playing basketball, you pretty much have the confidence that I can play in the pro ranks. So, Agreed. you know, this is very similar to, to, to for, for track and field. And I've got to give a, a shout out to Stephanie Ratcliffe, another Australian mm-hmm. in hammer throw um, at NC two ways. Again, dominated, broke the, I mean, just, I mean, yeah, man, it's, like I said to you, I know we talked about Paris Diamond League, but the NC2A has really took, took, took my breath away. Uh, I, I, just, I, was, I was just texting heavily with all my American uh, ex-training partners, just going, this is just getting beyond a joke now, you know, because it's making me feel like I was an absolute hack. These oh, kids would destroy us, mate. Oh, I so go. I kept telling them they would destroy us, man. Yeah, I'm going to go one step further too, Johnny <laughs> Steph. <laughs> the way that athletics is going in this country, we, may, we might need to make this a two-hour show. I'm telling you, That's I'm big. telling you. Now I tell you what, this is where this is what you're able to do because you're able to who you are. Say, you know what? I want to speak to the head honcho. I want yeah, to speak to the, the CEO. So let's talk put to Peter on. Bromley, the CEO of Athletics Australia. Next.
Rush into Chemist Warehouse today and grab INC Protein. Powering tomorrow today. This is the House of Ats with Cam Luke and John Stephenson. That's us. We do it all thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Head into Chemist Warehouse every day for great savings. All right. Last week. I, lo- I love that theme music. Do you, you like love it? it? I chose I it, it myself. You chose that? I was asked an opinion on it. That'll do. <laughs> 400 metres. I asked you, I think it was a text that came through as well, asking who you would have loved to have competed against. And we got to the point where I gave you seven days homework to find, in your mind, your favourite three of them, 400 metre athletes of all time. Take it away. I need a drum roll. We got a drum We got special effects on this show, Cam? Uh, we got special effects on this show. Here's one. <laughs> <laughs> Yet. But that's an answer. You <laughs> asked me, I yet. said no. Oh, <laughs> How about this? How about this? How about this? Yeah, I like it. I like it. That's a, that's a build-up I need. 400. <laughs> 400. All right, let's go. Who you got? Right. Number three. Who's at number three? Number three has to go to the great Quincy Watts. He won the 400 metres mm-hmm. in Barcelona running 43 seconds. Now, when I spoke to Quincy about his run, uh, when I was an up-and-coming 400-metre runner living in America, I said, how did you do it? And he said, John, my whole goal was I wanted to run 10 seconds for every split for my 100, and that's how I got to 43 seconds. So um, if you, I really formulated my race based on Quincy. He trained to my coach, um, when he broke that, when he when he when he won broke the Olympic record and won the gold medal, so I put Quincy as number three. I think he he mm. really took the game to the next level because he actually turned the four hundred into a sprint. So um, Quincy Watts at number three. It's a good start. Just the the, the, the toss up between number two and one was is so difficult for me. It it's it's um, yeah, it's really really hard. But I, I have to say, number two would have to go to Jeremy Warner. Um, he was he was a guy that I think uh, I remember racing against him in uh, Helsinki in 2005, and um, he's the only he's only he's only when my coach and I sat down, he was the only athlete that that we felt his race plan was unbeatable. Like he had very he had no kinks. Even Michael Johnson had a lot of kinks in the way he ran the 400. Jeremy just had absolutely no kinks in the way he ran the way he sp- way he split up the race, way he split up the court, the the hundred meter sectors, um, how he ran into a curve, how he ran off the curve, his ability to switch it up and be stronger in the last 50. Um, he just was, and he was a phenomenal technician, and he he, he was he was amazing um, with the way, he, he, and that was hard for me because I I feel Michael had kinks, but we just on pure record and and how many medals he won and sort of he really took the game into really solidifying into a blue ribbon event i'd have to say michael johnson has to be number one of course um in in the quarter i mean burns me to say it because i i i do think um yeah i i do think he had kinks in his Mm -hmm. race but he was just so strong mentally and he was so strong physically that he could actually toy with a lot of the runners i think he ran to the speed he needed to run to win the race um, so we never really saw Michael properly challenged, um, and um, and people were screaming, "What about Wade Van Niekerk? He's the world record holder, Johnny Steph." But um, you look at the body of work. Um, I have to give it to those three guys. There we go, top three of all time, and Johnny Stephenson's four hundred meter runners. A very quick break on the House of Ats. All thanks to Chemist Warehouse. We'll wrap it up next. Rush into Chemist Warehouse today and grab INC Protein. Powering tomorrow today. This is the House of Ats with Cam Luke and John Stephenson. For Chemist Warehouse, it's almost time for us to get out of here. 043398. 
11.16. Just quickly off the text. Is there one race you wish you could have back? Yes, it would be 2000 and... Oh, it'll be two races. Give me two races, Eight, two. Ken, please. It'll be Store Gift 20, 2012. I wish I had that race back. Mm-hmm. I reckon I win it all day. And uh, Osaka 2007, I threw a medal in, in um, our world championships. But uh, What happened? Uh, I had hamstring problems all year, mm-hmm. and um, I think I was—I think I acted like a big uh, blouse and um, just immature, and and I and I should have. I, I I won I won pretty much a lot of races through the European season, and I ju- I think I just went in there just just very negative, and um, I just got beaten by better people on on the day. But I, I think I should have. I yeah, just very. Where'd you weird. run? I came ninth overall. I, I ran I ran forty four eighty in the heat and yep. 44 90 and semi and missed the final. And that was unheard of at that time. Like if you ran 44 seconds, you were in the final and you, you almost guaranteed to medal. So who um, won it? Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Morrow. Yeah. Won. I thought he might've yeah. that time. Mm. So, um, yeah, I wish I had that race back. I, I still think I, I beat everyone that year. I beat even Jeremy in Sheffield. And I mean, he, he chose to stop halfway through the race, but I pretty much, you know, I, I thought I was, Competitive, you know, so yeah, that, that race still burns. I, I think Osaka could have been a bit quick. I could have, I, sh- I should have broken the Australian record there, to be honest. Yeah, but anyway, it's from Belinda off the text. The text line always open Thanks, here. Belinda at SEM. Opening up old wounds. Thank you, yeah, Belinda. Wow. I love it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, you could still have still said, I, mate. Actually, I actually thought you might have said, I want to go back to 2006 and run the comp games again so I can experience it, but uh. Ah. Anyway, it's all done good. that, Cam. Yeah, Been true. We've got to get out of here. Of course, we're going to be back this time next week. And I believe you. Are you going to be in Melbourne? We're going to be together. Oh, oh, you know that song you played? I actually I actually want some sort of fanfare as yeah. I get out to the studio. Yeah. I want something to happen. I'd be like Maximus or Gladiator as okay. I walk in. And I'm going to come to the people. Are you not entertained? After the show. You know, like after, like when it's all said and done. Yeah. So, yeah, look forward to a big episode next week. All thanks to Chemist Warehouse. We'll do it all again this time next week.